Now, we're going to look at God's Word together. The message this morning is entitled, Joy to the World. Joy to the World, it's not just a song. We're going to look at that before we end here this morning. But I wanted to start out by thinking about our gift giving. If I were able to buy every single one of you a gift, sort of like that talk show host does, um, she'd say, you all get a new car, you know, and everybody in the crowd goes, yeah, whatever. Um, I wouldn't be getting you a new car. If I was really praying for you and thinking about what would be best for you to have this season in your life, it wouldn't be a new car. It wouldn't be a new sweater or a new dress. It wouldn't be a new watch. It wouldn't be a soccer ball. If I were really in tune with God, I hope I am, but I would be buying each one of you a gift that I couldn't wrap in a box. I would be giving you the joy that Jesus has given us. Joy is one of the most important aspects of our lives, but we sometimes overlook it or we don't understand it. In Matthew, the Christmas story, Matthew chapter 2, verses, verse 8 through 11, it says that the angel said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. So he's even qualifying it. It's not just regular joy. It's great joy. That will be for all the people. So everybody gets one. Everybody gets that great joy. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. And his name is Christ the Lord. This is the message that God sent us, that there is great joy to be had by all people. He didn't skip anybody. Nobody's overlooked. He wants to give joy because joy is such an important commodity. Now, in the English Bible, the word joy or rejoice or joyful appears 430 times compared to another word that we sometimes get confused with joy, and that would be the word happy. Happiness. They're different. Happiness only appears in Scripture ten times. It's not that important. But we have made it, especially here in America, the pursuit of happiness, right? It's in our Constitution even. It's all about happiness. The problem with that is happiness is not lasting. Joy is lasting. It satisfies us deep inside in a unique and amazing way. I believe that Jesus wants each of you full of joy. And the reason I believe that is because in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, so I have also loved you. So remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you. And then your joy may be full or, or complete. Again, in the English, we have to choose the word. Completed. You can't get any more joy because you're done. You're complete. You're fully full of joy. That's the kind of joy that Jesus wants to give you. And notice, notice what he says. He calls it his joy. 
So it's not something you produce. It's not something you have in your life. It's something he gives to you. It's a gift. His joy is being transferred, transferred into your life so that you can be full and complete. That, my friends, is great news. Great news. The joy that we have as Christians is the joy of Jesus. It's not the joy of this world. It's not the joy that, that is, is confused with happiness. It's something different. Jesus wants this joy in you. In fact, he needs this joy to be in you. Because as Mother Teresa said, joy is strength. We're all complaining all the time about being weary and tired and overwhelmed and stressed and all these other words that we choose to talk about ourselves. Like, how are you? Oh, I'm so stressed. I'm so tired. I'm so weary. I didn't sleep last night. Da, da, da. You know, we all need strength, right? If I, if I could wrap up strength, it would be joy. It, I would, it would be the same thing. The strength that we get from joy is necessary to live the lives that we are called to live. We need God's strength. The Apostle Paul tells us that the kingdom of God, it's not a matter of eating and drinking. So remember that this weekend and the next weekend. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but it is a matter of righteousness. Now, righteousness is right relationships. Tanya just described it. Peace in your relationships with one another, but most of all, and most importantly, between you and God. That peace has now come through Christ and we have a right relationship with God through Christ, and we can work on right relationships with each other through following Christ's example and being filled with his strength. The Apostle Paul finishes that. He says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy. So what exactly is joy? Unfortunately, according to today's dictionary, joy consists of a feeling of great happiness from doing, finding, or getting something. That is the definition that the dictionary nowadays tells us joy is. Well, that completely contradicts what the Bible teaches, right? Because joy is not happiness. Happiness is something different. It's, it's shallow. It's momentary. It's, it's fleeting. But it's interesting because... This kind of joy, pseudo-joy, is what we're unwrapping on Christmas morning or Christmas Eve, depending on your tradition. You're trying to give and to receive some kind of lasting happiness from whatever's wrapped under your tree or whatever's parked in your driveway if you're getting a new car, right? But we all know, because we've been through this again and again and again since we were little kids, it doesn't last, by January, it's in the junk heap. By summer, you've completely forgotten about it. You don't want that anymore anyways. You want something else. You want something different. You want something that the commercials are telling you you have to have to really find joy. But that's not joy. Joy can't be something that you find or get or unwrap under your Christmas tree. The Bible explains joy very differently. It says that joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And real joy can only come by knowing the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
by knowing God. That's real joy. So what the world is trying to sell you is fake joy, pseudo joy, not real joy. And we get confused because we're hearing it so many times. If someone keeps repeat something, repeat, 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 eventually you think it must be true. That's not true, but that's how it affects us. It keeps working its way in like a little worm trying to get inside our heads and change what we know is true because Scripture teaches it and exchange it for what the world would like us to believe. So real joy is something that comes through the Holy Spirit. As with all of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 tells us it's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's goodness, it's kindness, it's faithfulness, it's self-control. That's the one we always forget. It's self-control. We need the Spirit in our life to have these things because we can't manufacture joy. Not of our own will. I can't make joy. You can't make joy. Someone can't wrap joy up and give it to you for Christmas. So how does Jesus take his joy and work it into our hearts? What is that process like? Well, I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you have really been around a, a new believer lately, maybe in this last year? You, you've met someone who's just met Jesus. They're full of joy. They really are. If you know someone that's, that's met the Lord this year, has come to know Jesus as a personal Savior, as their personal Lord, then you know what joy looks like in someone else. Everything is new to them. Everything is exciting. Every verse they read in the Bible, they're like, did you know that's in there? It's amazing. It's like it's written right to me. That's because it is written right to you. And when you're a new believer, you're just like, I have to have more, 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 more. Right? That's the joy. The joy of the Lord is just, it's inspired by being closer to the Lord. They want to go to every prayer meeting. They want to go to every Bible study. They want to be part of every evangelistic trip. They want to do everything. And sometimes we, we older Christians, we say, oh, you know, settle down, settle down. You know, shh, you know, being a little rambunctious here, you know. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we do that. We should learn from them. And the reason they have this bubbling up joy is because it's new. And because they know they have not gone too far from the day before they were saved, the month before they were saved, the year before they were saved. They realize how much Jesus has done for them, to give them new life in him. And they are thrilled with the possibilities of the future. So new or old, we should all experience a deep joy in the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus wants for us. He wants to give us his joy. Now, the Holy Spirit makes the work and the knowledge of Jesus become a greater reality in our lives every day. I've been teaching on the Holy Spirit these last few months. And I said, you know, he's always drawing our attention back to Jesus. He's not, a, he's, he's not about himself. He wants us to, to know Jesus more, to understand what God is doing in our lives even more. And real joy prospers and grows as we grow in our love 
and our faithfulness to Jesus in that, in that relationship. Like, like children growing to know him more and to trust him more and to love him more because he first loved us. And like children, you're really never too old to experience real joy as a child of God. It can be refreshed and renewed every day, every morning. His mercies are new. So why can't our joy be refreshed and filled up again every morning? I'm reading this fascinating book. It's this book called The Other Half of the Church. Christian Community, Brain Science, and Overcoming Spiritual Stagnation. I don't know how I find these books, but the Lord leads me. And in this book, I found this most exciting thing this week. Did you know that God designed our brains to run on joy like a car runs on gasoline? Our brains are designed in such a way. Neuroscientists tell us that our brains desire joy more than anything else. Just, just the human brain. So we're not even talking believers yet. The humans who God has created and formed and allowed to give life to, their brain is designed by God in such a way that it craves joy. It wants joy. It's designed for joy. Now, I don't have time to explain the neuroscience behind this because I don't even quite understand it yet. I just started reading the book. But the truth is that every single one of us is seeking that lasting real joy because we're designed for it. We don't want short-term happiness that comes from things. We want long-term joy. I don't know about you, but I would sign up for a long-term joy this year. God, I sign up. Give me the long-term joy. I want that. Which leads me to my next point. Joy, the neuroscientists tell us, is primarily relational. It's not about things. It's not about what's wrapped up under the tree. It's relational. Let that sink in. Think about how hard the pandemic was on our relationships. Some of you are still watching me from home. It's been isolating. It's been hard to get together. A lot of things were canceled. People had to push off their weddings. People had to not have funerals. Like all the times when we need each other, we want to celebrate, we need to be together, we're cut off for a couple years. And if joy is relational, then maybe that's why some of us feel really tired and kind of down because our relationships have been pushed out. Now, relationships and the way that joy is connected with them is described this way. We feel joy when we know that someone is happy to be with us. That's joy. When you're with someone who's happy to be with you and you're happy to be with them. I have this, this slide because I'm going to be a grandparent in the spring. And so I imagine me old and crutchety on the beach because I like the beach. And I imagine my, my new grandson someday just running. And just that 
describes and pictures joy for me at this moment in my life. I don't know what yours is because there's all kinds of different relationships. For you, you know, if you're engaged, it might be, you know, your bride coming down the aisle, whatever. That, that excitement about being with the person that you really want to be with and, and embracing one another and being together and, and seeing one another and enjoying one another, that's joy. That is the definition of joy. One definition that's given in this book is that the joy can be defined this way. I want to be with you. Now think about this. God designed us for relationships because God is a relational God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in a holy relationship for all of eternity. And he wants to share that with us by having relationship with us in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That should give you joy, right? Just knowing that. We know that in our heads, theologically, we know that that's true, but we need to feel that. We need to understand it's okay to feel that, to know that God loved you enough that he sent his son to get a relationship with you, a long-lasting relationship with you, not temporary, but forever. You see, Scripture is a story of God creating us to be with him. Now, it's also the story of us rebelling against him, getting enslaved by Satan and sin, our enemy, and then Christ coming to rescue us and bring us back to God forever. That is the story of Scripture. It's a story of a relationship, God and mankind, and God doing everything to establish that relationship. So think personally here for a moment. When you think about God every day, and I hope you think about God every day, but when you think about him, do you think he's like the old grandpa who's so excited to see you? Or do you think, there's a, there's a, there's a song that's out right now, um, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Oh, it's uh, The Heart of God. Zach Williams has is, 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 is got the song out on Christian radio right now. Do you think that he's, he's, he's shaking his head, wishing he'd never gone to the cross? Do you know the lines from that? I can't remember them exactly. You know, but, but it's, that's not God. There's, there's nothing but love in the heart of God for you. Because of Christ, right? So you always have to qualify it. Because of Christ. And this is the joy that we have in Jesus. He paid the price we couldn't pay, so we could have the relationship with God we could never have. And we have the relationship in Christ because of Christ and what he has done for us. Now, think of relationships in your life. If one of your children comes comes home from college or whatever, say, hey, I want you to meet this new friend of mine, right? You don't know that person from Adam, but your child really enjoys that person and really has enjoyed getting to know that person, and so you allow this friend, quote-unquote, quote unquote, into your house. And on your child's word, you let them sit at your table and eat your food and sleep in your beds, right? 
because it's on your child's... This person could be an axe murderer for all we know. But your child is saying like, hey, dad, I brought my friend home from college. He's going to stay with us for the week, right? And you're like, okay, all right. So on the word of your son or daughter, you're letting a complete stranger and you sleep in your bed. You never know what could happen when you're asleep, right? We do this. We trust the word of someone who we love, our children, and we trust their judgment. They don't always have perfect judgment, but none of us do. Now, think of this in relationship to God the Father and the Son. Because Jesus said in Matthew 15, No longer do I call you servants, he's speaking to his disciples, for servants don't know what the master is doing, but I now call you friends. For all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you so now we're Jesus's friends who he brings home from college and we go into the father's house he's like dad meet my friend he's gonna be here with us forever it's gonna be awesome and you're like all right bring him in right this this relational aspect of God we have to remember it's built into us to bring us joy So until we come into the reality of what Christ has already done for us, because of God's love for you, you won't have his joy. You've got to see how God sees you in Christ. He loves his son. So he loves you when you're in Christ. As a believer, he finds great joy in his son. He's pleased with his son. You know, when Jesus was baptized and a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son, dearly, deeply loved son, in whom I'm well pleased. If you are in Christ, those words can also be spoken of you. Max, God says, you are his beloved son in whom he is well pleased. And you think, well, I don't know how he's well pleased with me. I, don't know. I wasn't very good at work this week. I lost my temper with that guy. No, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. And it's about your relationship with Jesus. It's not about you, Lauren. It's about Jesus. So when God sees us, and he does see us, he sees us through the relationship that we have with his son. That is the good news that Jesus came. Because before that, this wasn't possible. There was a great distance between us and God. And a fear of God. Of his judgment. Of all the things we knew we did not have for the relationship that we needed with him. You see, joy is the foundation of a secure bond with your heavenly father. You know that bonding that has to take place between babies and their parents? they're caregivers, right? It's like it's bond. It's sort of a mystery, but you work on it. My daughter has this big, long thing she was showing me last night. You wrap it all around your body, wrap around a hundred times, and the baby goes in there somewhere. Have you seen these women? It's about 20 feet long, and you wrap it and tie it and twist it and wrap it and tie it, and then the baby goes in, right? For bonding purposes, to hold the baby close, right? Well, We are to be bonded with our Heavenly Father in Jesus. He's the thing that wraps all around us and all around and ties a knot and keeps us all secure and shoves us in. So we're bonded with the Father. This is why we have joy. 
has nothing to do with us, but Jesus has shown his mercy towards us, his love towards us. He's forgiven us through the cross, and he wants to bring us to the Father, and he has brought us to the Father. And here's the thing. Romans 8 tells us nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So nothing can unwrap you from that thing that wraps all around you. Because that thing is not a thing. It's Jesus himself. He wraps himself around us and identifies us with him. And we are to identify ourselves with him so that when we come into God's presence, there's nothing but joy. Nothing but joy. Because remember, we're temples of the Holy Spirit. Jesus ascended bodily into heaven and sent his spirit, his spirit of God, still God, to live inside of us. Scripture says we're temples of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. Think about it. That's the best roommate ever. The Holy Spirit's your roommate inside of you. See, these are realities that we have yet to absorb and begin to change around. These are truths. I know it sounds almost too good to be true, but it's not. It's what God has told us. And here's the other thing. If we understand the thrill that God has to have us as his children, it moves us from our place of insecurity and fear in our relationship with him. It moves us into a place of of solid living. We know who we are in Christ. We know God loves us. And we function, we live, we talk, we act like we know that. Not like everybody else who doesn't know that, but like we know that. And it's really super, super, super important to have this real joy because real joy has all kinds of benefits. Here's just a few. When you have real joy in your relationship with someone, we'll say God and someone's because there are other people we have relationships with, you feel like you belong with them. When you show up, it's not awkward. You're not like, um, so, like, I don't know what to talk about. Um, you know, maybe I should just leave now. You know, but there's no awkwardness. Once you know that you are loved by God with an unchanging love through Jesus Christ, and you let that sink all the way through you and up again, you know you belong. You belong with Him. So your prayer life changes. It's not a like, oh, God, like, don't strike me, Dad. I know I was rotten to my wife. Like, please, like, forgive me. I'm a terrible person. I should just leave. That's not it. You come into that relationship and say, God, you know me. And somehow you still love me. And I praise you for that. And I thank you for who you are. It's not about me. I am a wretch. And I've been saved by your grace. And I am able to walk in that relationship knowing that I belong. I belong to God, and I belong to his people. Now, let's, don't let your head spin around. Think about this. The body of Christ, of which you are a member as a believer, we got a lot of work to do on this part. I hear from people all the time. I don't know if I belong with those people at church. They're so good. I said, oh, honey, you don't know them. (laughs) They ain't good. I know a lot about them. (laughs) 
They're fooling you. They look good on Sunday because they sing, they put their hands in the air, and they hug each other, but they're not good. It's about Jesus. It's not about you. And you belong with us. You feel like a sinner? So do we. You need God's grace? So do we. You need his forgiveness? So do we. We're all in this together, and we belong together in it. He created the body of Christ for joy. It is to be a joyful place. Remember in the book of Acts, in the very beginning, when they got together in Acts chapter 4, they just wanted to be together all the time. They're like going to one another's house. They're going to the temple. They're like sharing food together. They're doing all kinds of stuff. God's doing amazing things in their midst because there was great joy of being a part of God and a part of God's family. The second thing is, I just feel more stable when things go wrong. When you have joy in your life, it doesn't mean nothing's going to go wrong. It doesn't mean you're not going to have a bad day. You will have many bad days. But your joy, because it is strength, it will sustain you. It will help you to stay stable. You don't, you don't fall over the edge of the cliff. You might feel like you're on the edge. Some of you say to me, oh, pastor, I'm on the edge. I'm like, okay, well, just back up a little bit. Back up a little bit. Remember who you are. Remember who God is. Remember his love for you. Remember his forgiveness, his grace, his mercy. Spend some time there so that you don't go over the edge. You feel more stable when all that stuff goes wrong. Because stuff will go wrong. Jesus said to his disciples, listen, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart or have courage. I have overcome the world. So we have to look at the end of the story. We're in the middle. We're in the messy middle, as they call it. But we can look forward in some ways in Scripture to the end. We know that Jesus comes triumphantly for his church and brings us to himself, to that place where there's no more pain, sorrow, death. And all that other stuff. All right. I could preach on this all day, but I won't. The next one is, it's easier to be yourself. When you know that you are fully loved by God, and you know that when you're fully loved by your community, the people that God's put in your life as other believers, you should be able to let your walls down. You should be able to be yourself. You're not perfect. We all know it. Why are you pretending? Right? Right? We should be able to be ourselves when there's true joy in the house. You should be able to be yourself. The next thing that we have that joy brings us is that we we feel free to share our heart with others. This is part of being yourself. But when your heart is heavy, it's okay to share that. This whole idea about joy isn't like you have to act happy all the time. That's fake. I don't want you to do that. If your heart is heavy, tell me. Tell us. So we can pray for you. So we can love on you. So we can walk with you. We may not be able to change anything, but at least we can listen and be there for you and represent Christ in that relationship. We have to stop hiding and let our hearts out so that we can be ministered to one to another as scripture instructs us to pray for one another love one another serve one another if i don't know you if you stay behind your little wall 
And every time I say, how are you? You go, fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Don't you worry about me. I got it all on control. And you're lying. There's no joy there. For either of us, right? Because there's no joy for you because you're being a liar. And you're hiding behind your wall. But there's no joy for me because I can't know you. I can't pray for you. I, can, I, don't, I know nothing about you because you're fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Stop lying. And when we're in a place of joy, when we know we're fully loved, we can stop lying about it. We can say, oh, I'm terrible today, actually. And I need a little help. Would you help me? Would you listen? Would you pray for me? And that's what helps us with number five, staying connected to God and to one another. We are not meant to be alone. It's the first thing in God's word that is not good. He said, it's not good for a man to be alone, isolated, cut off. Not good. It messes with our mind. People who are put in solitary confinement for too long in prison, they come out with brain damage, literal brain damage. It damages your brain to isolate yourself or to be isolated in their case. Watch out. We got enough problems. We don't need brain damage on top of it, right? All right. And lastly... When we have joy, we're able to experience joy relationally with others, even while we're suffering. Whether they're suffering, we're all suffering, whatever, we can do it together. Have you ever been in a bad situation? I don't know. Car broke down, rainy day, lightning, thunder, but you're with like five good friends. And, you know, the, the tires are flat, and, you know, you're getting drenched. You look like drenched rats, whatever. Your whole plans are down the drains. Later on, when you get together with those five friends, you're like, remember how funny that was? It was hilarious. You know, you were soaking wet. You're not, like, it's weird. But when you're doing it with others, even though it was not a good thing, later on, the way your brain remembers it is like... That was the funniest day. You know, when you fell in the mud and the mud was all over your face and we all just laughed until our stomachs hurt. Well, it was, you know what I mean? Like there's something about being with others and experiencing joy together that even the tough stuff when we're together and we're helping each other can be turned into something that's joyful in retrospect. At the time, maybe not, but in retrospect. So, we are not alone. We are called to be together in the joy of the Lord. So, do you wonder if you personally can have that kind of joy? Well, if the Holy Spirit is alive and active and working in your life, you absolutely can. You absolutely can. It's a reality that Jesus offers to us. You can increase your joy day by day and grow in this area. You can grow this fruit and be more fruitful. God knows we need it in today's world. Frankly, today's world is a miserable place. Just turn on the news. 
We need the strength that the joy of the Lord can give us. Amen? So I'm going to pray, but we're not done. We're going to sing one more song. I'm going to pray. This prayer that I wrote down, because I, I, I don't want to just forget each part of this. But if this can also be your prayer, I'll pray it slowly enough that you can make it your prayer as well. Dear Jesus, thank you for giving us your joy. We come to you instead of people or things to find real joy. Please forgive us for all the times that we let others and our circumstances rob us of joy. We ask that your Holy Spirit work in us today, helping us to know real joy again and helping us to serve you faithfully as we spread your joy in this world. We pray along with the psalmist in Psalm 51 who said, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. It is in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen.